This is Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I'm Dave Dunholm hanging out with you as we do each and every week here on ESPN LA. And we do want to reach out and say we are still praying and concerned for those who have been affected by the wildfires in California. And, of course, the Woolsey Fire, more close to home here. And I do want to start the show uh, by talking to someone who was affected by it closely, of course. And he's a member of our family in the soccer world, the great Eric Winalda. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, Eric, you had lost your home in this fire, but uh, praise God, nobody hurt from your family, right? How's your family doing right now? Uh, I appreciate you asking. Yeah, now everyone is safe, which is which is the most important part. Uh, but it's been a, hor- a horrific week for my hometown, uh, mm-hmm. starting with the shooting at the borderline, which is a place that my daughter and, and people that I know, we frequent that place. And uh, you, you couldn't have thought it was going to get worse. And then the next day... Uh, uh, the fires just pretty much just ran rapid and just it, it wiped out a lot of houses, not just my own, but uh, a lot of people have been affected. So it's been a it's been a really rough week for for all of us. And, and look, and I I want everybody to know I'm doing fine. Family's doing great. And the only message that I I, I would send out to everybody is pray for those who have lost their family members and mm-hmm. who really need some love and support right now. And, and I appreciate the concern. You know, people have that Venmo thing. I, I didn't know it really existed until everybody wanted to help out. Uh, and everybody's been great. Uh, but let's not forget about the people who have lost their lives in, in this whole ordeal. And let's keep praying for them. Well, truly wise words. So we are talking with Eric Winalda. Eric, roughly, I mean, you don't have to get too specific, but where was your house located? So we were on the, uh, if, if you're familiar with Thousand Oaks, and I'm mm-hmm. sure some of your listeners are, if you're on Hillcrest and you're, Heading from Westlake Boulevard on your way towards Moore Park Boulevard, uh, Kalina uh, Middle School is in the middle there. Uh, we lived on the hill. We lived, uh, if you just made a right on Canal School Road, it was up up the hill. And we were very proud of that uh, that spot because it was somewhat isolated. We knew that, that you know, that in, a, in the case of a wildfire, that we might be uh, uh, in a bad spot. And uh, we were the first one to get hit when the fire came over the hill. So, um you know, and, and there was some, some other people, when the fire actually jumped Hillcrest, which is something I never would have thought would have happened. Mm-hmm. And some other homes on the other side were, were affected. But, um, yeah, we were up we were up on the hill. If you were driving down the 101 and you got past the Civic Center, you could look to the left, and you used to be able to see my house. It looked like, uh, with the two big chimneys, it looked like a, a cat just sitting mm-hmm. there. But uh, it, was in a, it was in a spot that there's nothing they could do. Um, the fire was coming down the hill. The winds were gusting around 50 and 60 miles an hour. We were very fortunate to get out. My wife got out uh, with the kids in the big Yukon and just packed as what we could around 1.30. We very fortunate to, to hear the alerts, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I stuck around hanging on to Hope, um, uh, but about three, uh, 2.45 in the morning, uh, I got out of there with some, some of my belongings and everything, and, and uh, the, the house was gone at 4 a.m. Well, as you said, most importantly, you were able to get out physically. Were there some things that you were able to to save like some family heirlooms things like that you know things that meant something to you guys well my wife was smart she you know she made sure that we got the passports and the birth certificates and yeah uh and some important documents um clothes really you know i i look back now and i and i think to myself man why didn't i do that i lost over 180 uh soccer jerseys which is you know terrible uh it but you know again you have to count your blessings here it's you're fortunate to get out. I actually had packed them 
up in the, in the moments before I vacated the house, and I ended up taking some baseball stuff, just happened to be sitting there uh, with a, a decanter and some crystal and a, and a bottle of tequila, believe it or not. I took that, but I didn't get my... my uh, I didn't get my stuff out. When I walked out to the car, I put a small box in there, and it was just too much to bear. There was too much the smoke and everything, and the cops had arrived on the scene and, and were basically demanded that I vacate and, or evacuate, and I didn't get to go back up the stairs and get those jerseys. They were just, they were just sitting at the top of the stairs, and uh, I never went back to them. But, you know, I, I, I did get some stuff out, and... Uh, you know, all that all that stuff can be replaced. You know, I, again, I can't stress enough that how much my heart bleeds for the people who, who lost lives in this deal and uh, and, and maybe weren't uh, that well insured. Uh, we are insured. It, we'll be able to rebuild. Uh, some people don't have that option, and I, I just I really feel for them. Yeah, that well, that is fantastic news for you. We are talking with American soccer legend Eric Winalda here on Soccer Weekly. His family happened to lose their home in the Wolsey Fire. As he said, most importantly, his family got out, thank God. And uh, and Eric, I do want to ask you about the jerseys because I, I was reading something in the New York Post. They did a great little story on you for that and kind of just very poignant. And I really, uh, it touched me. But, you know, you mentioned the jerseys and, of course, as you said, not the most important thing, but did it, losing those does it make you think more about the memories of your playing days now and trying to re trying to remember some of the things and where you got those jerseys from does anything right. stick out with you yeah nobody's gonna believe me right nobody's gonna <laughs> believe i had a roberto carlos or you know several pelés or batistuta um yeah Lothar mateus you know these are jerseys that i i cherish you know um i had all the jerseys from the world cup i think the shirt that I scored the goal in in the World Cup, which which uh, I lost, then um, it's 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 rough, you know, it, it, because you 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 do have all you have is your memories. Now you yeah. can't, you know, I can't pull something out of a box or look at something on a wall and say, you know, that actually happened. You have to rely on your memory, which is sad. But because um, I would have loved to have passed that stuff on to my kids, but uh, the reality is, you know, uh, it's gone, and, and I gotta I gotta deal with the emotional side of that but again you know belongings are belongings and 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 i can't just know how lucky we are to get out of that home mm-hmm. there's some people that lost their lives on that hill and that, that it's terrifying that if we wouldn't have woke up to that alarm uh, uh we wouldn't be here today so Oof. we we consider ourselves very fortunate yeah, amen, and uh, that is good to hear. We are talking with Eric Winalda. I mean, this is really a terrible segue in a sense, but I do want to chat a little football with you, Eric, because you do have a great opportunity coming up, and you're already right. kind of digging your teeth into it, probably as much to just kind of move on as quickly as possible while still you know, going through all this, but you are going to be the manager of Las Vegas Lights, a USL team. They uh, certainly uh, had a splash last season in their first season, and now they make even a bigger splash by bringing you in as the manager uh, congratulations on the gig. How did that come about? How do you know? I know Las Vegas did a great job, really trying to get the word out in their first season. How did they? Did they approach you at the end of that campaign? Was that something that you were intrigued about? Yeah, it's funny how that it all came about. Uh, you know, Brett uh, Lashbrook was is, is our owner operator at mm-hmm. Jeep. The um, I don't think I was on his original list, 
and uh, my agent, Richard Moskin, uh, may have mentioned that to him, <laughs> that I lived here uh, previously uh, during my playing days. And, you know, it was it was like, all right, I'll take the lunch or I'll take the interview kind of thing. And, and the more that we kept talking, I think we... I think he came to the to the realization that I wasn't the person that, I, that maybe he had been told that I was. Uh, I do have a, a several reputations, it seems, uh, and and we just connected. And I'm very honest in, in, about certain things, and especially the game. And and I think that there's a lot of people out there who who sell themselves really well uh, when it comes to, to pursuing a, a job like this. And I just think Brett and I, as as people, first and foremost, connected. And um, and we just started talking about what was necessary for him to improve uh, the team, and I started to get excited about it because because of my connection to the town, and uh, I, I I've done this before in Atlanta where we were built a team on a very low budget, but they were still able to win the win the league, and um, I think that that experience is going to you know, help me now that I, I know. Uh, how to I know the level and I know how to how to be successful at this level. So hopefully we'll get the players we need and and uh, start moving in the right direction. I think the closer was though, as I told him, I spoke Spanish and, and that, that was it. That he was it because there's a huge Latino uh, Hispanic community out here. And uh, in most of my interviews in Spanish these days, I wish there was more Germans out here, but there's not. But that, that was <laughs> How many languages do you speak? Well, I speak German, Spanish, and English, so oh, okay. uh, and uh, and all the swear words in Dutch. But that's, that's about it. Uh, <laughs> that might get still, you through it, as a coach, but maybe yeah, not regular life, I guess. But well, yeah, no, no it's I, it's I funny you it, mentioned that because it helps me immensely. Yeah, immensely <laughs> to communicate with my players. So uh, you know, Spanish is important, and and um, especially connecting with the community as well. So all that stuff's going great so far. So we're well, we're looking forward to the season. Yeah, because you speaking Spanish certainly. What you are known for, one of the many things you're known for, and we're talking with legend Eric Winalda here on Soccer Weekly, is you have an eye for talent. That's the bottom line. And you do know where to find it and how to find it and how to discover it, quote-unquote. Why is that, Eric? Well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give you the honest answer. Um, and, and this is going to sound somewhat arrogant, and I apologize for that, but a lot of these guys don't know what they're looking at. Hmm. And... They, they evaluate channel. They call themselves a scout. They're not willing to do the real work um, on, on some levels. But, I mean, there's not a lot of guys who have played in the Bundesliga in three World Cups. So you, you know what real talent looks like when you see it, when you're playing up against it. I didn't watch this on TV. I was standing right next to these people. I know where Mario looks like live. I mean, it, it's, 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 it helps because when you're, you're able to see certain qualities in players, you need to you need to let them expound on that. So some of these kids don't know how good they are, and they've never been given a shot because I'll go to games where there might be a guy with a beer belly and a, and a, and a ponytail playing right back, but there's a 16-, 17-year-old kid in the middle of the park who can play. And then people will unfortunately look at the game and say the worst player on the field defines the level. And that's not the way you do this. Mm-hmm. If you're really looking for talent and you really – know what you're looking at, you'll recognize it immediately and give those kids or give those players the opportunity to jump into a real environment where they can progress. Now, it doesn't happen in this country a lot, um, but, I mean, I just signed two kids that, you know, they cried on my shoulder when I told them that they were they were going to be a professional, uh, but they've never played professional soccer before. But they're going to, and mm-hmm. people are going to say, where the hell did you find them? And I'm going to say, in your backyard. So... <laughs> It's, it's, we'll start that conversation when we get there, but uh, I love this. 
I love well, the fact that I was so blessed to have the knowledge or the experiences that I've had because it's helping me now when I go find the next wave of players who have, have been overlooked. Yeah, that's fantastic. We look forward to I really look forward to seeing what the lights do under Eric Winalda. He is the new manager of Las Vegas Lights. And Eric, always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Most importantly, best of luck to you and your family. Thank God they're all safe as you guys rebuild and as you take on the task now of building Las Vegas Lights on a much uh, less important level. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time, Eric. All the best to you, man. I appreciate you, and thanks for having me on. And come see me on March 9th. Will do. The great Eric Winalda. The invitation. I will take you up on that. I love Vegas too, brother. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll go do something. You know, we'll play a little poker afterwards or something. But I really appreciate <laughs> okay. you, and uh, best of luck with everything, Eric. Thank you, Dave. Eric Winalda, the new manager of Las Vegas Lights. He had mentioned how he had uh, his family will now rebuild after the Woolsey fire, and thank God his family got out safe, and we're really happy about that. And happy they was able to join us here. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm. We continue on. Mark Dos Santos, the new manager of Vancouver Whitecaps, coming up next here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and I'm happy and honored to be joined by the new manager of Vancouver Whitecaps. And if the name sounds familiar, of course it should, because he was an assistant under Bob Bradley for LAFC in their inaugural season. And he's a good guy and knows his game, knows the game of soccer. And now we've got to basically say we want to beat him up a couple of times a year. <laughs> he's Mark Dos Santos. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Hey, a pleasure, Dave. I hope everything's good with you guys, and uh, thanks for calling in. You bet. Well, first of all, congratulations. There's nobody that Vancouver could have chosen, quite frankly, that would be a more worthy manager uh, candidate than Mark Dos Santos. Congratulations to you. You've got your work cut out for you. This is a team that did not make the playoffs, but certainly has a lot of talent. And Mark, you also have a lot of decisions to make about players going into 2019. Was that something that intrigued yeah. you about this job? Uh, no, you know, of course <laughs> that uh, there's a core of players here that have the, the ability and the qualities to play uh, in the way that that I want to play and bring and bring the right dynamics uh, for the game and what I want. But there's also flexibility to change in the roster. And there's also flexibility to make some important changes and to, and to move along and bring the club uh, to the level where they want to be. So uh, I'm aware of that. And I was aware of that coming in and I'm happy I'm coming into a club where there's flexibility to make some changes and to, and to grow. Mark, do you think the uh, does the kind of retooling have to begin in the back with this team that surrendered 67 goals this season? You know, when you look at the goals that are conceded, uh, yeah, a lot of the times you point right away to the back line and you say, oh, it's the defender's fault. But mm -hmm. I look at it uh, much more in a collective way. I think that a team has to think like that. A team has to be thinking about in the collective side of the uh, of the group and defending is not only the defenders it's uh, everybody as a unit so i think that as a unit we could find better solutions and become better uh to defend collectively and also of course um improving in some positions that are going to allow you to to grow uh, in the collective side so we're looking at both the backline and the collective side of the team 
We are talking with Mark Dos Santos, who was an assistant under Bob Bradley for LAFC. He was uh, just named manager of Vancouver Whitecaps after the season ended. And uh, again, uh, Mark, you are certainly a worthy uh, choice. I loved talking football with you at practice at LAFC, you know, not on camera, not on uh, microphone. Let me ask you, though, I- I've heard you talk a-, a lot about philosophy and such. What-, what kind of style do you prefer as a manager? Look, I, I like teams that are very, uh, I would say, courageous, that are aggressive uh, without the ball, that understand compactness uh, defensively. So uh, being compact defensively doesn't only mean being low. Uh, being compact defensively also means that you're able to stay compact higher on the field. Uh, so I would say that I really like teams that are uh, aggressive without the ball, that close down players that are have that 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 ability to be courageous and to close down and to be aggressive without uh, without the ball and then uh, with the ball I like players that are vertical I like players that are quick going to goal uh, that are quick recognizing space in the opponent and 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 want to go and attack the goal as fast as possible but at the same time so so I like teams that are strong in transition uh, at the same time I also. Uh, like players that when we lose possession are very aggressive to to try to recover it and close the space right away. Um, so I want I, I look in Europe the teams that I relate to. I would say that I relate to a team like Napoli was last season under Sadi. I relate to what Liverpool is uh, as a team. Uh, I would say that these are the teams that I relate the most as a coach. Who are the players that you're most looking forward to really getting to work with on this team? This is a deep team. There's a lot of good talent on this Vancouver roster. Yeah, I, I, I'm not able to say, you know, individually. I've never been like that as a coach and as a person. I I always think that the most important thing is the collective, and I focus a lot on the collective because if the collective is strong, if the idea of play is well-defined and is strong, I think that even players that were average could become very good. Uh, so I try to focus a lot on that. I'm just excited to have the opportunity to go to training every day and work uh, around around a group of players every day uh, and try to, to bring a DNA to this club as fast as possible. Well, listeners, I tried to slide that question in. I knew Mark would not answer that one, quite frankly. I tried to, I tried yeah. to see if he would. But th- that's really what you've talked about really all season long, Mark. And speaking of that, in terms of the collective, what did you learn from Bob Bradley when it, when it came to that with what LAFC did this season? Bob, as a, as a man, uh, uh, for me, I want to highlight the men first because mm-hmm. – I think that we, when we're professional coaches, our life is judged by the ball going in or the ball not going in. Uh, and it's not what I want to be about in life. You know, yes, I'm a coach. Yes, it's my job and I want to do things well, but, uh, I want to be recognized as, as a man above all and that a, a coach that tried to help other people, tried to help other coaches had an impact in other people. That's what I want to be about. And, I'm bringing this up because first, Bob, I learned uh, about him as a man. You know, he was he became a friend with with the year. Uh, he has an incredible heart. He's a fair guy. He's hard when he has to be hard. He's 
he puts the arm around the player when he has to. He's an open-minded coach in the group. Um, so he, he asks questions. He opens himself to the group. Uh, he, he makes everybody feel important. You know, he never... He never closed the door in a meeting to anyone. You know, there's a very simple side in Bob that is is very good and approachable. So I was just blessed to have the opportunity to have worked with him a, a, a full year. And for me, the biggest victory is to say that I left LAFC leaving a lot of friends. LAFC is a club that I will always cherish. The people are good, uh, including John Torrington, including everybody in the technical staff, mm-hmm. and they they're they're happy for me, and and it's good to leave a club leaving so many good friends. And I see my a lot of my I see a lot of tra- trades in Bob that are are similar to mine. You know, Bob is courageous. Uh, Bob always thought outside of the box. He you know, he went to coach in Egypt. He went to coach in France and Stalbeck in in England. Yeah. Uh, and for me, you know, I, I see myself a lot in it. Well, it's it's so good to talk to uh, Mark Dos Santos, the new manager of Vancouver Whitecaps here on the home of LAFC, ESPN LA. And of course, Mark spent the season as an assistant to Bob at LAFC. Mark, there's a lot of reasons why Vancouver would want you as a manager. You've had success at different levels. You've had success in other countries and and have moved around to really try to embrace world football. Why did you, on the other hand, why did you uh, accept an offer from Vancouver? What makes Whitecaps FC so appealing to you? Well, I I was waiting for an opportunity uh, mm-hmm. to get my chance to coach in the league, and that was very clear to Bob and to John. It was never something that was hidden. You know, I was looking and 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 waiting for the best chance possible. Uh, and then when 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 Vancouver started talking with me and presenting their project and project pre- presenting to me what they were all about. I just felt it was a club with an incredible margin of progression. Uh, it's a club that I knew from before, uh, being with the Montreal Impact and following soccer in Canada. Um, I'm born in Montreal. I'm born in Canada. So I, you know, I could relate to clubs uh, in Canada and, and it was an opportunity to come back to Canada, but to a club that has a, a, an academy and a, and, and a, a, a groundwork that is done, a great training facility, everybody is together. Uh, the dream of developing young, young players and bringing them to the first team, um, different kind of, of, uh, of mentality maybe if you compare with Atlanta or LAFC or LA Galaxy. You know, all the clubs are very different. But here there's a, a strong emphasis to try also to give opportunity to young players and young academy players and all the the, the vision with the, the the vertical integration part of the club was appealing to me uh, and also the space that I would have to to mold the roster and to change pieces in the roster and to move forward as a club yeah. uh, and the ability to to create a base and to the ability to to create some standards there. So all of that. Look, Vancouver is not an expansion team, uh, but there was a lot of things that were able to change, and this is why I, I wanted to come here, and it was appealing for me. 
Mark Dos Santos, well, I can, I'm sure I can speak for all of the black and gold faithful. We really appreciate everything you did in the first season with LAFC and wish you nothing but success for, well, 32 games out of the 34 every season. <laughs> and I hope it's a nice tight loss to LAFC. Maybe 1 nil each time would be fun. No, yeah. uh, in all seriousness, Mark, it's always been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I really appreciate it. Good luck. Guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. You bet. Mark Dos Santos, who's the new manager for Vancouver Whitecaps, he's going to be a success. Now that he's off the air, I can say these kind of things. I don't like to say him in front of guys because I don't want to make it seem like I'm kissing up or anything. He is a fantastic manager. He will be a success with Vancouver, which is going to make it tougher for LAFC, quite frankly, and for LA Galaxy in the Western Conference. But we wish him nothing but the best. He was always a pleasure to work with. Marco Santos of LAFC. Stick around. Still to come, we've got so much more to get to and stoppage time coming up. We've got a giveaway, though, for you. If you're a fan of a little bit of good old-fashioned hard rock, you will want to stay tuned. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. Thanks so much to Mark Dos Santos, the manager of Vancouver Whitecaps, former uh, coach at LAFC. We appreciate him taking the time. Now, this is normally where I would talk about the U.S. men's national team, that game against England, of course, a big game that they were involved in and are friendly earlier. I have not seen the game, though. Bottom line is I knew I wasn't going to have an opportunity when the game was going on, I was going to be busy with my schedule, things going on. I've DVR'd it, so I'm not going to sit here and fake my way through it before I've actually seen it. So I plan on, and I told everybody on Twitter earlier, I plan on actually watching the Italy game on Tuesday and re-watching this game that was played against England earlier and really go after these two games. I kind of like when they do the two friendlies in a row... I kind of like to talk about them both anyway. Soccer Weekly next week on a Wednesday. We'll certainly break those down. And again, they're just friendlies. Don't worry about the result, okay? But I just want to say, for the record, just to be honest, I was unable to watch it. I've got it on the DVR. I will break it down. But I do want to talk about MLS playoffs as we get to Eastern Conference and Western Conference Final. But first, it is time for Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this! Right now. Alex Dwyer, a friend of the show and a friend of mine. And uh, we, we love his work at MLSsoccer.com. He covers LAFC for the website. And he wrote a, a great article that was released earlier today about Bob Bradley talking about LAFC in year two. What's the off season going to bring potentially, or how they're going to build towards 2019? And it was really good stuff. You should read it. Go to mlssoccer.com. Alex Dwyer does a great job there. You should be reading all of his coverage of LAFC. But this is a really good article, and I love a couple of quotes that I wanted to get to of uh, what Alex quoted Bob Bradley saying as those two had a chance to sit down and chat. And I love this quote. And Alex asking him basically, "Where's the room for growth?" You know especially going for the next season and and how that builds. And I'm paraphrasing, but here's the quote from Bob Bradley on that. Quote, our decision-making about when to go forward, when to make passes, our ability to have more sequences of long passes, more sequences of putting passes together so that we move up as a team, and then you lose the ball, you're better positioned to keep the other team pinned in their own defensive half, unquote. Yeah, we can't disagree. I think that's exactly what LAFC needs to work on going forward and now that doesn't mean they didn't do that at times this season very well the offense was great the vast majority of the season and the defense had some very good moments 
10 shutouts, I think it was, as it turned out. I mean, that's pretty good in 34 games for a, an expansion team, quote-unquote, or a first-year team. But at times, that decision-making wasn't there that Bob was talking about. And, and the controlling of the clock and controlling of the game when you're winning and not just when you're trying to get back into a game and go racing forward. It's more about the pacing and the dynamics of a game when you're winning. And guess what? LAFC was winning a lot. And LAFC lost leads this season frequently. And and too often, frankly. So that's something he definitely needs to work on. And I couldn't agree more. But, you know, that's no surprise that Bob Bradley knows what he's doing. And he knows where they have to go for 2019. The pieces are there. That doesn't. Here's the thing, though. You have to. It's not just about a second year, right? And this team is still new. They're going to lose a player or two potentially in the expansion draft, right? I think maybe one player might be the rule of that. Potentially, we don't know for sure. So they've lost players in the middle of the season, transferring out. We saw that. Of course, the injury to Mark Anthony K. He's going to be coming back. So there are things that they need to do and pieces they still need to fit in for 2019 that might take a little time. They also have to find a way to really incorporate Andre Horta, a guy that really hasn't even made a splash yet, despite being a major designated player signee. So there's still a lot of work to be done, and it might take a little time. It would not surprise me if LAFC gets out of the blocks a little slower than they even did in 2018. And yet, here's where it really, what I basically, what you're really concerned about is they're going to end stronger in 2019. Not to say they didn't play well towards the end in 18, but they just weren't quite at their best, right? Losing to RSL, of course, in the playoffs. It's not just about that one game. But realistically, there were times during the season that they looked a lot better than they did at the end. And that's just not how you want it to do, how, how it to be in MLS. Now, they were playing good down the stretch, but they played better at times in the regular season. I think everybody would tell you that at LAFC. Here's the key now. They may start a bit slower in trying to build for the second year. Remember, you know, that sophomore slump is a real thing at times in sports. But they're going to get farther, in my estimation, in 2019. I really believe that. And that's not just hyperbole. I'm not just hopeful or, you know, just blatantly trying to kiss up or anything. No, I will tell you the truth. They're going to end stronger just building upon that first year by the time the end of the second season rolls around. And there might be guys that we don't even have a clue who are going to be contributing by then. I'm sure that's the case, right? It's it's world football. Turnover, change, that is a, the only steady thing is change in world football. That's the only consistent thing. Right? And, and that's it. And that is what we have to look for for the black and gold coming up in 2019. That was a very good article. It goes even deeper than what I've been talking about. Go check out Alex Dwyer's work talking with Bob Bradley about Season 2 and the upcoming 2019 campaign for LAFC and what Bob envisions there. Go to MLSsoccer.com and read all about that. It's really good stuff there. Now, Dave, before you Alex. wrap up the black and gold breakdown. Yeah, what else? What else is going on? Uh, we got LAFC. Uh, they're going to have an end-of-the-season party, and this is going to be to celebrate... Uh, the Black and Gold's historic inaugural season, which it was, and uh, this is going to be on Saturday, okay? Okay. Saturday from 2 to 5 p.m. LAFC invites fans to Bank of California Stadium Plaza for music, 
uh, food. There's going to be players there, which is really cool. And uh, the Fields is going to have Heineken specials, you know, mm-hmm. all that delicious food that they have there. Fans are also encouraged to check out the new free play restaurant and bar, which is right on top of the Fields LA, which I've heard a lot of cool things about, which I'm going to check out probably tonight. <laughs> and uh, one more important thing, though, LAFC and club partner Fanatics is going to donate a portion of the proceeds from all the sales at LAFC's HQ store made during the end of the season party to help the victims of the Southern California wildfires and the firefighters supporting the ongoing crisis. So get on out there and enjoy the food, the music, and get some LAFC gear and donate for a good cause. Absolutely. We appreciate that. And you heard, of course, Eric, when all the story earlier in the show about his uh, obviously unfortunately losing his home, but everybody in his family is safe from the Woolsey fire. So that's uh, certainly a great cause coming up on Saturday. Thanks, Mario, for that. Appreciate that. By the way, if you miss any of the show, as always, you can podcast it and listen to those interviews, not only with Eric Winaldo, but Mark Dos Santos that happened earlier in the show. Check out Soccer Weekly on iTunes or the ESPN Pod Center. Now, Mario, I want to do talk about the uh, MLS playoffs. We'll, we'll hear more from Mario, of course, coming up at stoppage time. But MLS playoffs rolling on with the conference finals. Eastern and Western conference finals don't begin until November 25th after Thanksgiving Red Bulls, the top seed in the East, will be at Atlanta for leg one before the return leg back to Red Bull Arena. Then Sporting Kansas City, the top seed in the West, will be at Portland in leg one. Sporting Kansas City had a draw and a win against Portland in the regular season. Red Bulls got the supporter shield basically because they beat Atlanta twice. They beat Atlanta at home 3-1, a bigger part on the road 3-1, and then at home the Red Bulls beat Atlanta 2-0. Now the Red Bulls are all about everything. They've got everything. It's not just a one-sided team. Their defense is incredible. Best defense in MLS, giving up less than a goal a game. Best goal difference in MLS. Best record. And Atlanta United is very close. Either team can win this. I do believe Atlanta United will pull this out for Tata Martino, of course, in his final days. In the West, Sporting Kansas City is the favorite. Portland certainly could win. Sporting Kansas City, a goal difference of plus 25. And we at LAFC know how difficult it is to break down Sporting Kansas City. If Sporting Kansas City gets a goal at Portland, just one, and doesn't allow like five goals or something crazy, if they get that one goal on the road, they will go through. And it will be Atlanta United, in my estimation, against Sporting Kansas City in what will be an incredible, incredible MLS Cup. I wish I had more time to break these things down. I really do. I, I can't even get to the U.S. men's national team coaching situation and what I feel about that. Of course, remember, I did not get a chance to see the, the friendly against England, Wayne Rooney's last appearance. I got it on DVR. We'll talk about it next week on the show. We still got a giveaway to get to. That's what I'm so excited about. I'm jumping ahead here. We've got a giveaway. Two winners are going to get tickets to a concert coming up at Bank of California Stadium in 2019. You'll want to stay tuned for that and stoppage time. Still to come in the final segment here on Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, hanging out with you here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, Puente Hills Toyota. We are big fans of them, and we are big fans of giving away prizes right now. We don't do it all that often here at Soccer Weekly, but when we do, we do. Caller number 7 and number 10, we're looking for you right now at 877-710-ESPN. That's 877-710-3776. 
Each of you will win a pair of tickets to see Iron Maiden live yes. at Bank of California Stadium on September 14th of next year. This is the Legacy of the Beast Tour 2019. It has the biggest stage show and the greatest songs from Iron Maiden. Purchase your tickets now at LiveNation.com. Again, caller 7 and caller 10. You're going to win a, each a pair of tickets to see Iron Maiden live at Bank of California Stadium next year. That's 877-710-3776. What time is it? Well, it's time for the favorite part of the show. It is stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time. Yeah, stoppage time. Yeah. It's stoppage time right now. Stop It's Time is hosted by the producer of this show, the great Mario Rees. Mario, how you doing, buddy? All is good, Dave. How about you? Good, man. It's been a great show so far. It really has. And if anybody's missed any of it, Mario, with the interviews we did earlier, really, really good stuff, head on over to uh, iTunes or go to ESPN Pod Center and search for Soccer Weekly. You know, the podcast gets up pretty darn quick there, Mario. What's going on in stoppage time today? All right, we got Usain Bolt. You know, he's out there trying to uh, <laughs> trying to do his thing on the pitch. He's going to give himself until the end of the month to decide whether to continue pursuing a career in professional football. The eight-time Olympic sprint champion rejected an offer from Central Coast Mariners following a long trial with the A-League club. So uh, he's giving himself a deadline. Game is here, Mario. I know. Look, I know he is a big name, of course. You know, when you're the fastest man in the world, you're one of the most popular men on the planet. Okay, I get that. You know, even a great Michael Thompson would tell you that, right? He loves his track and field, and you truly are. If you're the fastest dude on the planet, you're one of the most popular people on this little ball that spins around. I get it. But at some point, if you're trying to become a soccer player, Mario, you got to take an opportunity. If you really want it. You should just go after it, and if somebody's offering you a professional contract, Usain, then get it done, right? I mean, what, are you trying to squeeze money out of it? Yeah, I think it's a money thing, isn't it? I mean, at this point, yes, we know you'd be a big draw, but guess what? If if you're waiting for some multi-million dollar deal that might not happen, you ain't getting any younger either. <laughs> you would think he's made all the money he's needed. Yes. You would think that this is just like a passion thing, like a passion project, like a lot of people call it, you know? But yeah, no, apparently I guess it is still about the money. I got to be honest with you. If that's if this is how it ends, then that's the only thing I can deduce from it, that it was about money instead of a real opportunity. Yeah, I've I've seen really a couple highlights actually, Dave, and he can actually bend it. I've seen him uh, take bad. a couple set pieces. He He's can bend not it. Not bad. Look, he got an offer from a Maltese club. Now maybe that was just for them to get some publicity, Mario. Maybe it wasn't a real. Who knows? He rejected it. Okay. Maybe he thinks he he should play at a bigger club. Maybe he's just delusional enough to think he should be playing at like Man United or something. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe he'll never sign with anyone, as it turns out, because he's just delusional or something about his actual skill. I don't know that. But it, to me, this is going to be really disappointing if it just kind of ends with a whimper. Because it's more than him just being a complete circus, and he's terrible. He's not. Yeah, he's Go actually decent. Take a shot. Yeah. I mean, you're still only 32, right? How old's Zlatan? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not comparing the two on the pitch. I got to tell you, Mario, I got to end. The, normally, we end stoppage time on a real high, right? This is a great segment. We all love it. I got to end it on a real down note, Mario. Oh, no, Dave. It's in the soccer world. Okay. Oh, boy, this is sad. Premiership clubs, Mario, mm-hmm. for next season, 2019 and 20. Right. According to Reuters, earlier in the day, they said they've agreed in principle to introduce VAR to the oh. Premiership. 
This is your biggest nightmare, Dave. Uh, I already the know. The Premiership was holding out. It was one of the only reasons I still liked the Premiership, frankly, because I'm an MLS guy, as you know. And not that I hate the Premiership or anything. I just wasn't that it. But I love the fact that it hadn't succumbed to the ridiculousness that is video replay. Well, here they go. Unbelievable. Just oh, depressing. I got to tell you. It's a, it's, it's a defeat. I feel defeated by that, Mario. I feel you, man. Yeah, I know you're maybe not as fired up about it as I am sometimes, but I really, I'm not going to lump you in with me on that. I don't know. I don't, how do you feel about VAR overall? Be honest. I mean, I definitely feel, you know, that the passion has been uh, taken away from the game. I mean, you're celebrating, and then all of a sudden, you know, the referees, the referees so point to the So you get that, what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. of course. But of course. you're, are you like super I'm kind of accepting it. I'm kind of trying to accept it and just uh-huh. trying to make the best of it. Because there's nothing we can really do about it. It seems like yeah. all the big leagues and all you know, all the leagues around the world are accepting it as well. So what are we going to do? Like, I understand that. I do. Because I mean, you're right. Okay? But I just, I'm not a guy who likes to make the best of it. Quote, unquote. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, just, <laughs> I want the best to be done. Right? I don't want to make the best of a junky situation. Or and the a sad bad part thing. is they think that this is the best way. But it's not it's, really the best way. It isn't. Because it's not so much many... better than not having VAR. Look, a whole lot of fans disagree with us. Okay, I get it. And certainly the governing bodies are disagreeing with us because everybody seems to be adapting to this yeah. and adopting it. But a lot of fans agree with us. It does hurt their love of the game. I'm sorry. I just can't abide by that. And I, if I have to be ahead of my time, Mario, you know I will be. I don't care. You always are, Dave. Thank you. Good answer, my friend. He is Mario Reyes. He is the host of Stoppage Time, and thanks so much for joining us, Mario. Thanks to all the guys behind the scenes, as always, Michael, Adam, Steve, and uh, Jesse. Really appreciate all their hard work, and, of course, the great Mario Reyes. Thanks to our guests this week. Um, remember, if you missed either one, just go back and listen to them. The great interviews. I'll, I'll tweet it out, at Talk Soccer. We've got the links there. We can all, You can also find it at the Pod Center or at iTunes. Just search for Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA.